Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your host, Davey Blackburn, and joining me, our co-host, Emily Schiltz. Emily, how are you? So good. So good. So, so good. good. Hey, listen, w- at this point, when the listener is listening to this, when this yes. episode is released, you and I and a slew of other people <laughs> and a bunch of teenagers are at summer camp. The very first summer camp that we've put on as a church yeah. called Wave. 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 And I kept I kept telling all of our teenagers, make sure you catch the, the wave. Right. Because you don't want to be that loser that's body surfing with all your friends and you missed the wave. It's the you worst feeling in the world. Losers? I did. I did. <laughs> I said, know. don't be that loser who yeah. missed the wave. Yeah. Because you'll have ultimate FOMO. Right. I mean, we promote it as the best week. The best week. Of your summer. And that's not hyping it up. No. That's like legit. Right. Like the best week. If we've pulled it off. Yes. So <laughs> we'll at the time of recording time. this, we're in major planning <laughs> mode. By the time of releasing this, we will be in the last day of yeah, the wave. Sleep it's deprived. Super exciting. And yes. it's a cool week because you had had some involvement this week in the wave. You spoke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you listen to this, I spoke this morning. Whoa. Weird. So fun. So you were speaking. Zach, our student pastor, was speaking. Mm-hmm. You spoke. Um, I, was spe- I spoke a couple times. But Monday night, we had a guest speaker. His name is Chris Dew. And he's actually who we're recording and interviewing on the podcast today. Yeah. What? Full circle. Full circle. No, <laughs> let me tell you why I'm a little bit excited. Not just a little bit. A lot excited about the first annual wave, right? So in the past, we've taken all of our students down to Daytona Beach, joined up with New Spring Church at the Gauntlet. Incredible season of doing that for several years. Kind of got us on our feet, but we felt like it was time for us as a church to do our our own thing and kind of start our own, hopefully one day would be like the Gauntlet, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we call it wave because we believe the wave starts in the student section. And our student ministry is called student section because our student pastor is super creative and super marketing like that. Yeah, he's good. (laughs) He's just crafting all these words. Anyways, I'm excited about it because we're taking several students to that, but we're also getting an opportunity to take some of the teenagers that are in the ministry that we partner with City Life for our urban uh, mentoring Mm -hmm. of teenagers. Some of them are coming along with us as well, and we're creating this partnership where all of those teenagers in every focus area of our city are going to come with us to wave in the future. So fun. So cool. So all these like avenues of ministry that we get to do, we, I mean, we really believe that we're one generation away from turning the city upside down. Right. And by the way, you as a listener of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, you can help to support that ministry that we do. Right. Um, You can give to this, this podcast and it helps to support the ministry that we do here in the city and helps to support the podcast. Um, Just go to davyblackburn.com slash give and you can give there. But I'm super excited about because all these avenues of ministry that we're doing seem to be like flowing into each other. Yeah, it's true. Lots of life change happening. Mm -hmm. You have, Emily, a lot of experience at camp. Yeah. Used to be the director of Spring Hill Day Camps. Yes. Here in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, not to put you on the spot or anything, (laughs) but what are some of your like, what's like, what do you love about camp? Because camp is like yeah. different, I feel like, than just kind of your regular rhythm of ministry. It's camp. What yeah. is the thing that you love about it? I think um, 
I get a little like emotional thinking about it just because camp for me was such an impactful part of my growth as a leader, but also um, my growth as a follower of Jesus. Mm. Um, and I feel like, you know, as as church people or even as a church in general, like we push people because we love them into groups, right? Like we want right. them to be, um, whether, you know, groups or a serving team, we want them to be involved in a community that uh, is passionate about the people who are in it and they're growing in their relationship with Jesus together. And I feel like for me, that was the experience I had every single summer when I was at Spring Hill. Um, and I, I worked there for four summers um, as a college student um, and then two years full-time, pretty much right after I graduated college. Um, and I think the other thing that I really love about it is that you spend all year prepping for 10 weeks wow. of camp. Yeah. And so everything that you do, like through recruiting or curriculum planning, or I mean, literally everything, every meeting is focused on these 10 weeks of summer. And so um, you spend, you know, 42 other weeks of the year um, just really planning out some incredible experiences yeah. so that those 10 weeks of summer, um, you can invest in the people around you. And, um, man, I love camp. Yeah. I haven't talked about it for a while, <laughs> but, um, just those 10 weeks are so hype and they're so fun. Um, and there's just an incredible thing about like teaching other people, whether it's for me, like my counselors or my leadership staff or opportunities like for me in the infirmary with our right. kids that I don't right. get to interact with all the time because yeah. I'm not their counselor. Um, just being able to teach them about Jesus and like lead them to trust Jesus. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, I like for me, I was actually telling Christy this the other day because we were talking about ministry and talking about how sometimes you can get caught up into like the the idea of the, the platform of ministry, mm. especially as a speaker, and you're experiencing this now, you're beginning to do some right. more platform stuff. You're leading worship, you're speaking. Yeah. And um, it can easily, you can get caught up in that. And I was telling Christy, I said, the reason that most people get into speaking, like mm. they feel called to be a preacher, is because, and this was my story, the most impactful times for me in my walk with Jesus, the biggest catalysts, I feel like, the biggest turning points for me were like these moments at camp or at a conference where this speaker mm. spoke a message and it like met me head on right, right where I was at and caused me to do this 180, just right. like boom. And then it was like in a 45 minute message in that moment, God did so much in my heart. And so what I, what I was talking to Christy about, I was like, I just want every time I step on stage for my heart to be in the place where I have the opportunity to do this for somebody. Right like praying, God, there's somebody here that's going to have that moment mm -hmm. that I had growing up. And uh, I want that to be, I, I'm praying that you, that you use me in that moment. And I think that helps you to kind of like dismiss all the, the other stuff that could sometimes press in around you and the, the nervousness and pressure and anxiety right. with, around that and just go, how do I speak to one person that needs to be helped today? Yeah. You know? Yep. And so that's what I love about camp because my biggest catalytic moments of following Jesus happened at camp. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the stories coming out of this week of um, God doing that for people. And I, you know, I feel prompted to say this. If you want as well, you're listening to this, you're like, hey, how can I be a part of Wave Camp? Let me tell you a very tangible way you can be a part of Wave Camp uh, for us is you can go and you can give a scholarship. We usually offer that all year long. 
Yeah. We just have wave scholarship up there on our giving page, resonateindy.com slash give. Mm-hmm. And you can give, like give to help students go to camp next year. Right. Um, it'd be super impactful. But yeah. I'm really excited about interviewing uh, this person that we have today, Chris Dew. Yeah. Uh, we talk a little bit about that ministry idea and, and speaking. And I don't want to get into his story because he's going to tell a bunch of it. I just need you to know he is a, um, he is a, former sufferer of a speech impediment, Mm. a former addict of heroin, and now is a traveling evangelist and shares the gospel with people and shares his story. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Because it's incredible. And I am going to tell you that I feel like the devil tried everything he could for us not to have this interview. I mean, like mm-hmm. technology issues, internet issues as we're trying to connect with him on this pod. Like at some point, somebody was mowing their yard <laughs> out wherever he was in California, <laughs> mowing the yard right outside of it. it. sounded like they were taking a leaf blower and like <laughs> like opening his window and blowing into the... So crazy. At another point, someone knocked on the door. I'm like, seriously, what? how many more interruptions can we yeah. get? But that's just proof of the fact that... Man, I feel like that the enemy knows when God's going to do something really powerful in people's hearts. And so he's like full frontal assault. It's like he sees heaven mobilizing. Yeah. Like I don't think the enemy can necessarily see into the future theologically. I don't think he knows what his future is like because God's already told that. He knows the word. But I think he sees heaven mobilizing when Mm -hmm. God's about to do something really powerful. And I think as we were getting ready for this interview... He saw heaven mobilizing. Yeah. And he was and all like, he can do is scheme. Yes. He's yeah. like, I'm about to sabotage this thing. Yeah. So this is whew, is sauce. Yeah. I'm excited for for everyone to listen to it. Yeah. Before we do, um, if there, you know, as you're listening to this podcast, if there are any questions you think of or anything that um, our team can do to support you or mm-hmm. serve you, um, we would love, 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 love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at hello at resonateindy.com. Yeah. So. Yeah. Also, before we get started, if you have not rated or reviewed the podcast, we'd love for you to do that. That really helps us out a lot. If you love this and you want to help us to get this into more people's hands, get it in front of more people's eyes, get it in more people's ears. Please help us by rating and reviewing the podcast. Um, It honestly, I can't tell you how much it really does help with all of the feed generators and moving things to the, and just in full disclosure, that's why we'd ask you to do that because we believe that this is helpful for so many people. If you believe it's helpful to rate and review it, it will seriously help to get this in, in front of more and more people and share it, share it with people. Um, we just love being able to spend some time every other week with our nothing is wasted community. It's yeah. just been really cool. Okay, I thought of a joke that oh, we can no. intro in. It's All kind right. of a pun. All okay, right. you ready for this? Let's do it. Okay, without further ado, Boom. <laughs> let's listen to your interview. Yeah, with did you Chris hear what Dew. I just said? I said no. let's do it. Okay. Come on. <laughs> Chris, good to have you on the podcast, man. Thanks for joining me. Hey, bro. It's a pleasure to be here, man. I'm honored. You are right now on the road doing a lot yes, of sir. speaking out in the West Coast. You've been spending some time out there, and I am super jealous. I want to get out to California <laughs> at some point <laughs> this it's, summer, dude. It's absolutely beautiful out here. Uh, we've been all over uh, the coast, and it is, it's hot, but it's not humid like it is on the East Coast, man. So we're loving it out here. <laughs> 
it's crazy humid right now over here in, in the Midwest. It just rains and then the sun comes out always. That's all it does. Oh, and, man. Uh, it's great if you're in a pool, but man, if you're like in a loft office like we are, it can get really hot. Hey, dude. Hey, I'm with <laughs> dude, you, Dude, I'm so glad that we're doing this conversation. It's going to be fun. We've got a, gotten a chance to connect a couple times through, obviously, we both come out of um, some circles over at New Spring in South Carolina, and uh, and now God's sent us both kind of in different directions doing ministry. Um, I heard of your story through actually my former boss, Howard, you were working I with him love for a Howard while. Chris, man. And he was like, he said, have you ever heard of this Chris Dew guy? First time I ever heard your name. And I was like, no, tell me about him. So he starts telling me about you. And I'm like, all right, this is a guy that's shaking some things up for the kingdom. I'm going to have to get to know him. And so Chris, dude, tell our listeners, what, what are you doing right now? Tell us a little bit about you and uh, your family. Yeah, man. So um, I am a traveling evangelist, um, and I get to travel all over the world, really, and just uh, tell people about the love of God and Jesus, man. I have a wife. Um, yeah. Her name's Kathleen, and she is way too pretty for me, literally <laughs> way too pretty for me. I'm like a three, and she's like an 11 and a half. It's awesome. Wow. Uh, but we have been married for about 18 months, mm. and uh, man, it's just it's just an awesome life, man. Love it. That's great, man. And you are, so you're traveling around, you're speaking a lot. You're right now in the process of writing a book, um, kind of on your yep. story and some of the things that you've learned yeah. through this whole process. And um, I don't want to give away any of your story. I didn't give away any of it in the opener of this because I want people to hear it straight out of your mouth because it's a powerful one. So why don't you take us back in time, walk us through your story and how you got to this place right here. Absolutely, man. So, um, I'm originally from Raleigh, North Carolina, and had like an average upbringing, you know, didn't have uh, just huge issues. Uh, we, we had an awesome family, had awesome Christmases, you know, had an had a easy life, had a lot of money, but I had this horrible uh, speech impediment my whole life. Hmm. Like I literally could not get words out of my mouth. You know, on every single phrase I said, I hesitated and I stuttered, and, uh, and it was just really awkward growing up. You know, mm-hmm. if you're like, hey, dude, what's your name? I'd say something along the lines of. <laughs> and on every single word, I stuttered. Mm-hmm. Um, so had a lot of anxiety uh, uh, that just kind of went along with that. You know, just uh, when I tried uh, to order at a restaurant, I couldn't. And I had to write it down on a sheet of paper and hand it mm-hmm. to the waitress or I had to order through somebody else at the table. Um, when I was in school, you know, I. Um, I would act like I wouldn't have my homework uh, because mm. I didn't want to uh, speak out loud, you know, and answer questions, man. So just a very anxious upbringing. Every place I went, I had sweaty palms, sweaty armpits, you know, just just a uh, awkward human yeah. being. Wow. Uh, but on top of that, I had this emptiness inside my soul uh, that I didn't have that language for it then, and I didn't really understand why it was there. Uh, but I knew that I was mm. not happy and that I was empty on the inside, you know, and I had a whole lot of friends who were happy and, and all that, and we'd hang out and I could put on the happy face. Mm. Uh, but inside of me, man, I realized that, uh, that there was something missing you know, that I didn't have it like they did. Yeah. Um, 
So at a very early age, man, I made a choice uh, that I was going to try to get as much pleasure from this world as possible. You know, mm-hmm. if I've got this anxiety thing going on and this speech impediment, um, and on top of that, I've got this emptiness, uh, then I'm going to spend my life just trying to get as much pleasure as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, man. I chased after anything that I thought uh, was going to, you know, help me in that area. You know, early on, it was like sports and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I am... Uh, short and white and can't jump and I'm not very athletic. Um, you know, so that didn't work so well. I mean, I'm trying with CrossFit right now, like you are, but I'm not there yet. Um, and I realized, all right, it's not sports. Like that's, that isn't my thing. Uh, that's gonna, you know, help my soul. Um, then it was popularity, right? Mm. I thought, man, if I get really cool and really popular and all the kids at school love me, then I'll be, you know, happy or whatever. But I realized that that wasn't it either. You know, that I had the friends, I had the cool clothes, I had all of that, and it really wasn't it. Um, And eventually it was, all right, if I get a really hot, like, spouse one day, a really hot girlfriend, Mm -hmm. you know, then I'll be happy. Um, And I chased after that for a long time, you know. Um, It was, uh, you know, hang out with a girl, and she's really pretty, and I'd chase after her and then I'd get her and then I realized no you know there has to be something wrong with her because that didn't do it and then I jumped from girl to girl to girl and man I was I was empty still Mm. you know and then it led in uh to you know sexual sin and uh porn and stuff like that and I chased after that for a long time and it still didn't work um and eventually when I was 15 years old about I smoked weed for the first time and man uh it was almost like it kind of worked Mm. You know, like I could just chill all by myself. Um, You know, I didn't have to speak with anybody. I didn't have uh, to, you know, um, talk a whole lot or, you know, hang out with anybody. I could just kind of hang out alone and I could smoke weed and I could be somewhat whole or whatever. Um, I mean, I was always the kid that was like, hey, I'm only going to smoke weed. Like that's that's all I'm going to do. You know, harder drugs are not going to be, you know, any part of my life. Uh, But then... Harder drugs came. Mm-hmm. You know, it went from weed every day, you know, to then uh, pills and cocaine and eventually uh, opiates and pain medicine and eventually heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the age of 17 years old, I was a full-blown IV heroin junkie. Wow. And, like, I literally stuck needles in my arm trying to get pleasure from this world. Wow. And, uh, man, if you've... If you've experienced that, man, uh, you know that once you stick that needle in your arm, uh, your life is done. Like you are literally a slave now uh, to that substance and that needle. Um, And that's how it went. I mean, about a, I think it was about a, it was a few months after I started shooting heroin uh, that my closest friend in the world, um, I, you know, we had used together a little bit. He had kind of helped me uh, to try new drugs and, um, it was a few months after I started using heroin that I got a phone call that uh, he had overdosed and he mm. died. Wow. Um, and the smart thing in that situation, right, would be, okay, you know, my friend died. Like, I should probably stop doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right. he, you know, he passed away. Like, it's probably going to happen to you because he had a higher tolerance uh, than you do. Uh, but it was actually ammunition, mm. you know, that I just, I just used that pain uh, to keep going, you know, to use an as an excuse uh, to keep using heroin. Wow. Um, so had had that happen, and about 18 months later, um, my like absolute closest friend in the world it was my daddy. Uh, just anytime I was in trouble, 
he'd come to the rescue. You know, mm-hmm. health issues, you know, um, financial issues. Um, every time I got arrested, like he was, he would always kind of swoop in and save the day. And I live with my dad, and uh, you know, he he was just the rock. You know, he mm-hmm. supported me all of that. And it was uh, it was on April twenty second um, of two thousand and nine. I was nineteen years old, and I heard his alarm going off in the other room. And I was like, okay, well that that's weird. He's he's at work, <laughs> you know, normally yeah. now. Um, and I walked in the other room to cut his alarm off, and he had had a massive heart attack, oh, and man. he passed away. Man, I found my dad dead. Um, it, it, and it was one of those experiences, man, uh, that I know you know that you just can't explain, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, the, the most alone I'd ever felt in my life was that moment you know, when I found mm-hmm. my dad. Um, you know, and I, you know, for the next few months, man, I went into a hole, you know, of just, you know, I lost my best friend, man. Uh, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus at the time. You know, I was... I was as lost as a $3 bill, you know what I mean? Like just, Mm -hmm. just, you know, just on my own. Uh, But I got, um, you know, like his uh, inheritance at the time. It was like 80 grand or something, a little bit less than that. Um, But I had money now. It was a 20-year-old heroin addict, man. I had what I thought at the time was a whole lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the next 18 months... After he passed away, man, I just raised hell. You know, mm-hmm. literally just spent every ounce of time, every ounce of money, just trying to uh, you just help that pain go away, man. <laughs> you know, like I just wanted to t- fill that void. And now, you know, be because of all the drugs and stuff, man, I'd experienced a lot of consequences as well. You know, I'd mm-hmm. lost friends. I lost my dad. I was, you know, had a whole bunch of, you know, charges against me with the law, man, I had health issues. I I had all this stuff going on and I didn't have an answer. But at at the end of the 18 months, um, after he had passed away, I'd ran out of money. Mm. And uh, the choices were either I'm homeless and and who knows what I'd have to do to get money then, or I could, you know, head uh, to yet another treatment center and try to get sober again. Because I'd been in and out of treatment centers, everyone had kind of written me off, right? Because I'd been right. in and out and in and out. I went to the you know AA meetings and NA meetings. I went to churches. I went to all kinds of different things to try to get help, and um, you know it just it didn't help ever. Yeah. Uh, but then I was I was at the, uh, this point in my life where I really didn't have any other options, so um, I decided, all right, I'm going to try one more time. You know, I'm just going to try one more treatment center. And I ended up in Florence, South Carolina. I was 100 pounds, uh, track marks up and down my arms. And I'm, you know, six feet tall about. So 100 pounds is, is you know, a thread, man. I was, I was real skinny. I was a rail. Um, and I still couldn't speak at all. You know, I wouldn't look you in the eyes. Uh, just a hollow human being. Wow. Uh, I didn't have any personality, really. Ju- just empty. But I... Uh, Ended up at this treatment center, um, and about a week later, it was Christmas Eve of 2010, I was invited to a church service. Mm. 
And uh, the philosophy was really, man, I just want to leave the treatment center for a couple hours. You know, I didn't really want to go to church and maybe there was pretty girls there or something. Uh, But I ended up at uh, this Christmas Eve service at New Spring Church. And um, I heard the gospel. And man, I'm telling you, after that night, nothing has been the same since. I gave wow. my life to Jesus. I repented of my sins, man. And uh, man, he he just snatched me out of hell, Davey. Wow. He, he literally, he saved my soul. And uh, the emptiness uh, that I'd spent my life trying to fill, man, I got a taste of the very thing that was meant to fill that in the first place. Wow. And that's God. <laughs> that That's literally the Holy Spirit inside of us, you wow. know? So um, ended up, you know, I'm a I'm hundred pounds still, right? I have a speech impediment still, <laughs> uh, but I have this hope inside me, man, that I literally, it's, it's just all consuming. And I was a brand new creation. Wow. Um, it was absolutely crazy, man. But after that, you know, I had a lot of rough edges uh, that mm-hmm. I still had to smooth out, right? <laughs> I still, you know, t- smoked a lot of cigarettes and still had some language uh, that I'm t- still trying to work on now. Uh, but, hey, you know, Chris, just... Hold, hold on. So you're telling me yeah. that virtually overnight you were no longer addicted to heroin? Or what was that process like? I mean, you you met Jesus at this service and then the next day, I mean, what, I mean, what happened there? Because, I mean, you were full-fledged. You'd gone to several treatment centers... None of that worked. And that habit, especially heroin, holy cow, what a difficult, some would say impossible addiction to break. What happened right there after you met the Lord? Well, here's the thing, man. Like overnight, uh, the change was very evident. And like I knew I was a new creation Mm -hmm. and I knew that I had the thing I had been looking for my whole life. But the process after that, uh, was pretty extensive of of uh, to really get uh, the root of what mm-hmm. had been going on, because I think oftentimes we think, um, all right, if I just quit using drugs or I quit this activity, you know, then I'll be fine, right? Yeah. And I'll I'll be fine, man. But the you know the truth is that all those activities that we do, especially addiction, are fruits of a of a horrible root mm, yeah. that had been going on, man. So how that process. Uh, was uh, in my life was, man, it was a 12-step treatment center. I mean, I took hours and hours uh, to write down all kinds of stuff uh, that I had really been struggling with my whole life, Mm. you know, from um, harms I had done to other people, uh, you know, to a whole bunch of uh, resentments I had, you know, at having a speech impediment and, you know, family stuff and and all kinds of stuff that happened as a kid. Uh, But also, man, uh, just a whole lot of fears I had uh, mm-hmm. that were really, really in me hardcore. Um, so how that looked is I had a hundred pages of crap that I wrote <laughs> down of all kinds of that stuff. Wow. Um, and then after that, I hung out with a spiritual mentor of mine and it took about eight hours uh, to work through all those pages of, Hey, here, here's what happened. Here's my part in it. Here's how it affects me. Um, all that type of stuff, man. So the change absolutely happened overnight. I was a new creation. Um, you know, but then, uh, the root of that, uh, just really took some time to work through. Yeah. 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 I think that's, I think that's huge because you hear people, people have different kinds of stories, right? You, especially you hear like the road to Damascus type story that people have where they have this radical encounter with the Lord, like Saul did on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter nine. And they're like, 
completely, they, they share a testimony. They're like, I've completely changed. Didn't struggle with X, Y, and Z anymore whatsoever, right? And I'm like, yes, I, I believe that's true, right? The same thing with for you. You started feeling yep. the void that you had in your heart. So you got a taste of that. So you knew you didn't need to satiate that with other things, with things of the world. So that was a radical experience for you, kind of a road to Damascus. But what we leave out with Saul is, his identity was changed to Paul, but even before he started preaching the gospel and spreading the gospel and starting this, you know, helping the start of this thing called the church, he took three years in kind of hiding and in training and then I think rooting out a lot of his past and some things that some lies that he had believed. And he kind of operated in that. That's why I think he had the ability to say Romans 8, Romans 12, right? do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of yep. your mind. So you'll be able dude. to test and prove what God's will is good, pleasing and perfect. will. I think he, that was, that's like his process. He walked through that process. Same as you. I don't, you know, I think it's encouraging for people to hear, Hey, even when you have this radical encounter, you still are going to have a rooted out process that takes place. Even Absolutely. if you're not dealing with this crazy big, you know, a uh, massive quote unquote testimony story that uh, some people don't have. You're still going to have to work through some deep rooted issues, lies that you believe things you're letting the enemy coerce you into. And it's going to be a process. So it's a, a crock pot, not a microwave, right? So we talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the other thing that I've just learned is that process isn't only, you know, early on yeah. in a uh, walk with Jesus, man, like, I'm on that process right now still today, right. man, that every day uh, there's things that pop up that I'm like, who is that? that man, that's not <laughs> what I want to do. You know what I mean? Right. And it's uh, the process of sanctification, right, of him uh, changing us into his image or yeah. setting us apart, man, is our whole life until he takes us home. Exactly. Yeah. That's so good, man. That's so good. Hey, I just wanted to take a second and interrupt this interview to tell you about Thriving in Trial, a Nothing is Wasted handbook that I've just released in ebook format. Over the last year of interviewing people on this podcast who have walked through hardship and adversity, I've noticed 10 consistent themes, 10 common denominators, if you will, that have helped people find healing in their pain. I wrote my book, Nothing is Wasted, as a memoir narrating the journey of healing God took me on after my wife, Amanda, was killed in November of 2015. While we're waiting for that book to be released, I wanted to distribute some practical content that could act as a companion to Nothing is Wasted, the book. That's why I wrote Thriving in Trial, to give you practical tools to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. Jump over to davyblackburn.com to download your copy of Thriving in Trial, a Nothing is Wasted handbook. So you found yourself in the middle of this process, working through a lot of this stuff, and now you you know Jesus, right? You've received his free gift of salvation, and now he's starting to free you from some of this stuff. Talk to me a little bit, because now there's this turning point that happens in your story, because you're still, you know, struggling with this, with this speech impediment, riddled with a lot of anxiety, although you're getting free from some of that at this point. Yep. So what happened then? Yeah, man, about three months in uh, to walking with Jesus, uh, this young speaker uh, came to the treatment center and was just on fire for uh, the Lord, man. He, he just talking about recovery and, you know, just following God. And 
as clear as I've ever heard the Holy Spirit speak to me before. He said, I'm going to have you doing that one day. Wow. And I was like, nah, bro. Like, I'll do <laughs> anything else, anything else, but I don't want to speak in public, man. Like, I'll clean toilets, right? But yeah. I literally can't order a hamburger at McDonald's, right? Like, I, I, I can't speak in public, man. But he, he just, as clear as day, said, man, I made your mouth. I can do anything I want with you. Wow. And it was like, all right, all right. Well, that's that's great. Uh, but, you know, this whole healing thing is going to have to happen. Uh, but slowly over time, uh, he is he's healed my speech. Wow. And uh, it's about 80% healed, I'd say, or 85%. Mm. Um, and I hesitate every now and then, and you'll hear it on the podcast even, mm. uh, that I, you know, hesitate and I'll get hung up on words every now and then, man. But I think uh, that that's my, uh, you know, uh, the thorn in the flesh yeah. type of situation, right. you know, that I've asked him to take that a hundred percent away over and over again. And he says, nah, dude, <laughs> like all you need is my strength and your weakness, man, That's that my great. grace is sufficient, man, that my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Right. Um, and it just helps me to stay humble, stay humble you know, yeah. because as I'm traveling the world and preaching the gospel on all these cool stages and on podcasts like this one and, you know, have, have influence, man, it's easy, uh, to get a huge head and, uh, you know, think, well, I'm, I'm awesome or, you know, I'm, you know, something incredible, man. Mm. And the reality of it is, uh, that, you know, I believe he's put that in me still to keep me humble, uh, to keep me teachable, you know? Um, so yeah, dude, it's, it's been a wild ride with that, man. That's crazy. I think, you know, you're right, especially like a young pastor, young preacher, young anybody who has like a, a, a stage of influence and is young. Now, I think certainly when you're old as well, but I think the Lord is, if you're following the Lord for a long time, he's done a lot of work in you to, to help you realize that you're not the one that put yourself there. But it, when you're young, you have this tendency to believe, wow, look what I've done to yeah. get myself here, right? And the thing yep. that got you there was actually a place, usually a place of desperation of on the Lord, a place of, man, you know, insufficiency. I'm not sufficient to be able to do this, Lord. I need you in order to empower me to do this. And and what I've noticed is that like, even as, as you're walking through these things, and you're learning this stuff from the Lord, there are times that he's going to keep you fruit. I'll call it fruitless and frustrated. Mm. And it's, mm. it is to test your faithfulness right? Are you going to stay faithful even when mm. it doesn't look like that there's this abundant fruit going on in, in your ministry or in your life? And in your frustration process, are you going to recognize that? And I want to make it a stark clarity for you that it was not you and your own strength and your own might that put you here. Absolutely, It was completely 100% the Lord. And I think it's really cool to just for you, man, to wake up every day and realize the fact that I can talk is a miracle. <laughs> You know? Yeah, it is. To step up on stage yeah, and go, it if it wasn't for God's grace, I would not be able to even get out a handful of words in front of it. And I'm speaking to thousands of teenagers yeah. on the reg. You know, I mean, it's that's crazy. It's crazy. Absolutely, man. That happened to me one time uh, when I was speaking at Clemson FCA, which is this huge gathering. It's like 2,500 people or so, 3,000 students. Yeah. And I'm ready to go, right? I'm, I'm prayed up, man. I have, you know, filled with the Spirit. I know this message, and I've preached it so many times. And I'm so excited. All my friends are there, right, because it's right near my house. Right. And I get up there, 
and I'm telling you, bro, it was the worst thing I've ever said in my life. Oh, man. Like, I don't, on every word, I almost hesitated again and was like not clear. I wasn't confident. I was super anxious. It was the weirdest thing ever. Uh, but then at the end, man, during the invitation, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people responded to the gospel. Jeez. And it was one of those experiences like, man, I hated that. I hope that never happens again. <laughs> Yet he showed again uh, yeah. that his strength is made perfect in my weakness, man. Yeah. And he's the one who does the ministry, man. It's it, it's almost like take your kid uh, to work day, I feel like. Mm. You know, when I was a kid, I used to go to work with my dad. And, man, I wouldn't do anything, right? I'd be in the corner just kind of <laughs> folding papers or something or stacking envelopes. He'd have to go back and redo everything I did. Uh, but it was just cool to be there, right? And I feel like wow. that's how ministry is, man, that we yep. go to work with dad. He's doing the heavy <laughs> lifting, man. He has us in the corner doing these things, man. But really, he's, man, he's doing the work, you wow. know? Bro, that is strong. I've never heard that parallel before. That's really strong. I just wrote it down. I don't know who I ripped that off ministry from. It was somebody. Take your kid to work day. <laughs> the Lord's doing the heavy lifting. That's awesome, man. So God's been teaching you a, uh, I'm sure a just ton of stuff about you, about how he works through all of this. I mean, because there's not, geez, your story is just so unique, man. Like coming out of this place of extreme, you know, pain and stuff that you've inflicted on yourself, but also things that you've undergone with the loss of your dad. And, but you're finding purpose in that. Tell me, tell me some of the things that God's been teaching you as you've, as you've walked this road. What are some big like headers? If there was like a newspaper on Chris Dew's life, what would be the headers to testify to the Lord's goodness in, in, in that? Yeah, man, I, I think there's a whole lot. Uh, the one that instantly comes to mind is, uh, you know, just the pleasure of the Lord. Mm. Um, Psalm 1611 says, In His presence there is fullness of joy, and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Wow. Um, and, you know, in a world where everyone is uh, craving pleasure, ultimately, yeah. man, Everything everyone does in this world is aimed at how can I get pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. From, you know, the food we eat and the places we live and the friends we have. And, you know, all of that is aimed at, man, how can I have as much pleasure from this life as possible? Yeah. And uh, the ultimate reality is that, you know, there isn't anything in this world that works. Mm -hmm. you know, like I rang the pleasures of this world dry, man. Like I did every drug, every party, had the money, had the girls, ha had all of that stuff. And at the end of the day, I was still empty and it still never worked, man. But once I met Christ and had a relationship with him and you know, have just poured my life out at his feet, mm. uh, that I've really found that he is uh, the joy that I've been looking for all along, man. I think that's probably the biggest thing uh, that I've learned over and over again, man, is that the platform isn't what satisfies my soul. Mm -hmm. The preaching isn't what satisfies my soul. Yeah. The marriage is awesome, except it isn't what satisfies my soul. You mm -hmm. know, the friends I have, it, it's, it's awesome, man, but it's not enough. The money, like whatever it is, man, it over and over again, he teaches me that, hey, I make known to you the path of life, right? Yeah. I am the joy you're looking for. I am the pleasure that you're looking for. I mean, I think in a world, um, in a culture that we have right now that is so pleasure hungry, right. uh, I think that's probably the most... Uh, pertinent message out there right now, man, is just, okay, no, it doesn't work. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why we're so, you know, on all kinds of anxiety medication right now right. and a depression medication, we're doing, um, you know, all these things to try to get happy and it's still not working, man, is because our world is longing for God because mm-hmm. you know, that's what mm-hmm. we were made for. You know, yeah. if you look all the way back at Eden, the reason why Eden was awesome is because we had a relationship with God. Right. The reason why heaven is going to be awesome is because we're going to be, you know, in a hundred percent intimacy with Jesus, yeah. with God, you know, and, and, uh, uh, the, you know, from Eden, the Eden ultimately is going to be awesome, man. But in the middle here, there's emptiness and chaos, yeah. right? And the only thing that, uh, restores that Eden is a relationship with God through Jesus. Right. Right. Well, I mean, even you're just talking about that. I'm reminded, I mean, just recently in the news, the suicides of Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade. Absolutely. You know, man. I, I, yeah. I was sitting in a gym at a hotel room. Um, Christy and I were away on a speaking engagement. I'm in the hotel room gym and I see come across the news, the suicide of Anthony Bourdain, right? They're reporting it. And I looked at, yeah. I looked at Christy. I was like, what? Cause they, they did this rap sheet right afterwards of all the things this guy had accomplished. Like in the yeah. past 30 years, all these things he'd been a part of this, this stuff that he'd acquired and amassed about his life. And I was like, isn't it? so crazy that you can have like what you just said you can experience all the joy this world has to offer and still yep. find yourself in a hotel room in France completely um, hopeless because you yep. don't have that thing that's that's meant to satiate our soul and that is the yep. person of Jesus Christ right like yeah. what yep. what causes somebody to do that it's just a, re- a reminder to I mean even I, it's kind of like Solomon man like Solomon in, in Ecclesiastes talks about how he did everything he possibly could to find purpose and meaning and realized everything that this world has to offer is meaningless, right? It reminds me of your story. Amen, dude. And I, and I, so think, good, dude. I think what's so cool too is that, that, is that you're recognizing that now the, the platform that God has you on, even that can't satisfy your soul, right? Because it would be really easy. The enemy's tricky, man. It would be really easy to convince yourself, well, I'm making much of Jesus right now, but you're actually feeding, that's feeding your soul. And it ends up becoming that, that thing that you build your identity on. And, um, and that right there is, a, is just as slippery of a slope to go down to because you're going to find yourself, you know, if you create your identity in, in something that the world has to offer this platform, even if it is doing something kingdom-minded, man, it will not satisfy. It will not satisfy. But the Lord is the only one Amen. that can. That's amazing. Amen, dude, that's man. so good, bro. Wow. So the pleasures of God, he's teaching you about that. What else, man? What else is he is he teaching uh you about in this process right now as you're as you're finding purpose in your pain? Yeah, man, I think I think there's a lot. Um the other thing, man, that I would say is just uh, that when I am um and it it's almost in that same vein, man, but it's it uh, flows into helping other people as mm-hmm. well, man. Uh, yeah. That one of the huge reasons uh, that I have the story that I have is to help other people. I really believe yeah. that. You know that it's uh, it's obviously a story that uh, the Lord handed me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know to make His name really famous and um, you know to 
show me his love, but it's also to help other people. You know, and I've just learned that when I am living uh, to get mine, you know, yeah. whether it's in ministry or in addiction, uh, that I am empty on the inside, yeah. right? That I, right. you know, I crave and crave and crave and I take and take and take. And what happens at the end of the day is it's not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when out of an overflow of my joy in God, I help others and I pour my life out uh, to so really like love people and uh, to help them uh, that my soul is really satisfied, wow. you know, that I'm able, um, you know, to have a life of overflow. Yeah. You know, it's not just pouring out uh, without the joy of God. It's not only experiencing the joy of God, but keeping it to myself. Yeah. Uh, but it's like a river, right? That I that's encounter it. it and then I flow it out, man. And that's the life uh, that I want to live. Yes. You know, and I, oftentimes I'll take like a uh, family vacations, right? And there I, I turn 100% off and I'm with all my family and we eat all the food in the world, right? And I watch <laughs> all the sports that I want to, right? Like it, it's it's great, man. Yep. But at the end of the trip, I'm restless, you know, mm. because I'm just like, man, I live this week all for myself and I'm restless in my soul. Yeah. You know, I'm just really learning that when I make, um, you know, uh, the point of my life uh, to not... Uh, to get mine, but uh, to just help other people who who are addicts or not addicts, right. who are just normal people, uh, that that's where the life that I'm looking for is found. Wow, that's amazing. I, I took a picture of this the other day. I saw on a pastor's office shelf this thing that said, it says, full life is a life poured out. Mm. Full life Amen. is a life Dude, poured out, on. right? <laughs> It reminds me of Paul, right? He says that he is a, an, a drink offering already poured out. And mm-hmm. you would think, I mean, our world tells us that a full life is to take, absorb, to fill yourself, to get everything that you possibly can and bring it into the reservoir of self. But um, I don't know if you've been to, you've been to Israel, haven't you? The, I have not. You've dude. not that been to Israel. That needs to happen soon, bro. Chris do trip to Israel, bro. That's what we need to do right there. Just let you preach the gospel in Israel. (laughs) Let me tell you something about the topography of Israel that I learned that goes along with this a lot. You've got the, if you look at a map of Israel, you've got the Jordan River that flows all the way down north to south of Israel. And in the middle of that is the Sea of Galilee, which is this big body of water that the Jordan River flows into and flows out of. And then at the very bottom of that in the south end is the Dead Sea, but nothing flows out of the Dead Sea. Mm. Right. So the Dead Sea is known for not being able to support any kind of wildlife because something flows into it, but doesn't flow out of it. Everything dies there because something's coming in, but nothing's going out. The Sea of Galilee, ironically, was the place that Jesus did most of his ministry. So spiritual life took place right there, but it's also known for being a very fruitful like vegetation and ecosystem for all kinds of life. It's very, very fruitful because something flows into it and flows out of it. And I think even the topography of Israel, the home place of Jesus, is showing us that in our lives, we're supposed to be conduits, rivers that flow, not these reservoirs that hoard up. And you would think it's so counterintuitive that if I'm supposed to get filled up, I'm supposed to look after me, I'm supposed to, you know, make sure that I'm absorbing everything I can and get everything for me. That's how I guarantee that I'm going to be filled up. And Jesus is like, no, it's the very opposite. (laughs) Son of man came not to be served, but to serve and pour his life out, give his life as a ransom for many. And that is actually the key to full life. You'll be the most filled when you're pouring out. Isn't that the craziest dichotomy? It just doesn't make any sense. 
And yeah, that's how God. It is, dude. It's absolutely works. crazy. Man. That's a great analogy too. I love that. That's very cool. So, so here's the thing along those lines, I saw this correlation with your story. You talked about how, you know, you lived a comfortable life growing up. You had money, right? And yet all of these things didn't fill. I'm seeing, I mean, if, if we talk about this opiate epidemic, because it's very much a relevant conversation, we're in Indianapolis. It is a, it is a hotbed for opiate addiction right now. Um, we've lost people in our church, teenagers in our church, um, to, to overdoses of heroin. And, and so we're helping people right here on the front lines with this, but I'm seeing the correlation between the haves, not just, you would think it'd be the have nots, right? And they're trying to find some kind of, but the haves, people who have a lot, like teenagers who, ex, who are exposed to and have a lot of means, and they're they're find, trying to find satisfaction in this. Do you see that correlation? I mean, what? How would you comment on what is it that drives? It seems like young people right now into this kind of epidemic. I think it's a lot of things, a lot of factors. Uh, but I think the reason why uh, the world or our country really is taking note of uh, the drug epidemic right now is exactly what you said. Uh, that when it was. Only in uh, the hood and uh, the poor areas of the country, man, that yeah, we didn't really care, right? It's like, okay, mm. it's not, you know, uh, the rich people at least. It's just in there. Uh, but as our country kind of heads away from the faith, mm. um, what's happening right now is it's trending upwards all the way in uh, to the white suburbia. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's why the country is just kind of leaning in right now. Of, oh, this is this is a huge issue. I think it's always been an issue, uh, but it's just hitting parts of the U.S. right now that um, the, uh, the country really cares about. Yeah. You know, but I think it's exactly what we've been talking about, man. And I think that, you know, that as uh, the country is, is craving more and the world mm-hmm. is craving something more than what we have, um, you know, that we are turning towards anything we can get our hands on, how I did, you yeah. know, and, and one of uh, the most um, obvious things and loud things right now um, is heroin and opiates uh, because it's more, you know, just available than it's ever been in mm-hmm. uh, the country's history. Um, and I think it's right there, you know, and, it, and uh, uh, the easy way to get in it right now is through uh pain pills first, uh, but then heading into, okay, well, it's a lot cheaper to just have heroin. It's pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then we start snorting it and eventually uh, IV using it, you know, shooting it up, man. Uh, But I think it all comes back uh, to what uh, the topic of this whole podcast is, right? That we are empty and we are craving something more. And the only thing that really works is a relationship with God. But in uh, the meantime, man, uh, we're willing to put our hands on, you know, anything uh, that we can get our hands on uh, to try to fill that void in us. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we see... um, that at, at any point that we are right now in this stage of his of history in the United States, uh, more well off and more informed than we've ever been, right? I mean, we are more advanced than we obviously than we have ever been, and we have more access to everything that we would want than we have ever been, and yet we are the we are more depressed and more anxious and more dissatisfied than we've ever been. And it's amazing when you look at the statistics of anti-anxiety medication prescribed, right? Um, but when you also look at the the statistic antidepressant prescribed, but also yep. the non-prescribed 
you know, um, substance abuse that's going on as well. And the statistics of that and the trending of like young people and suicides, it's unbelievable how we have everything that we could possibly want. And yet we don't have what we really need. And it's very evident to us. And I think that it'd be really tempting for us as believers to be like, man, well, our world's just going to hell in a handbasket. Right. And, but if we could shift our perspective and say, no, 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 this means because people are more hungry than they've ever been, evidently, it seems like this means the harvest is plentiful. Come on, dude. But the workers are few. So those of us who have experienced life, we need to get out into the fields and preach the gospel and tell people, hey, this is the only satisfaction that you're going to have is in Jesus. This is the only way you're going to satisfy that longing in your soul, that craving that you have. Um, Christian, what does John Piper call it? Christian hedonism. That's it, dude. The pleasures of God, right? Craving after the pleasures yep. of God. And right now is the time is right to do that. And that's why I love what you're doing, man. I love that you're out there and you're preaching the gospel and you're raking and you are raking in a harvest. And I'm praying that it continues to, um, that God continues to bless that, man. It's really cool. Hey, dude, I appreciate it. If you, if you were sitting across from somebody right now who was struggling with an addiction the way you were, what would you tell them? It's a one-on-one conversation with them because I guarantee you there's somebody... I'm just trusting the providence of God right now that there's somebody who's listening to this and they are right smack in the middle of that. Somehow they got their hands on this podcast. Somehow they heard about hope in their headphones and they're like, all right, we'll see what this has to say. And God has providentially woven you to sit down, quote unquote, face to face, mouth to ear and talk to them. What would you say to them? I would tell them uh, that there is something way better than what you're currently experiencing. Mm. And there's something way greater, that's way more satisfying, uh, that's what you were made for. I would share the gospel with them, man, that we, um, all of us are made to have a relationship with God. It's how we were created. But because of sin and our uh, personal sin, we've turned away from God. And because of that, we are separated from that all-satisfying God of the universe, and we're left empty. Yeah. You know, and we spend our lives, you know, flooding that void with all kinds of things, um, you know, be it alcohol and drugs or something else, and it doesn't work. Mm. Um, and uh, because He is a holy God and, and, and he, um, he is perfect, His wrath is on sin, uh, mm. but uh, the greatest news in the universe um, is that He isn't only a just judge, right? He is also a loving Father. Yeah, wow. And He loves you so much, right? That the real God of the universe loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, here to earth in the flesh. He came, he lived a perfect, sinless life in our place. He hung around with all the screwed up people Mm -hmm. like you and I, Mm -hmm. right? He hung around with the drug uh, addicts and the prostitutes and the strippers and alcoholics and the lepers. He chilled with people like us when he was here. And then he eventually um, it was arrested and was crucified on a criminal's cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of our sin uh, was poured out on Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. And for years, man, I heard that. And it was like, what does that have to do with me? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I am a, you know, you know, I'm a heroin junkie, man. What does some old history story like that have to do with me? And what I have uh, found and learned is that what he did on the cross is he paid for the very thing that separates us from the one pleasure we've been looking for our whole life, and that's a relationship with God, right? And then after wow. he was crucified, he was put on a, 
in a tomb, but he didn't stay dead, right? On the third day, he literally rose from the grave, conquering sin and death and everything. Mm. And he loves us so much. He literally was crucified for us. He rose from the grave. And if we will turn from our sin and place our faith in Jesus, uh, that, man, he will snatch us out of hell, save us, and we will be reconciled to God. And that's the thing that we're looking for, man, that that's the thing you're looking for is God. And he loves you and he made a way. Dude, I'm telling you, um, you know, before meeting Jesus, I always used to think, okay, that now I'm having fun, right? With Mm. the drugs and the the alcohol and the sleeping around and the partying and all that. And then hopefully kind of later in my life, like once I'm old and, and, you know, crusty and senile, then, (laughs) you know, I'll kind of chill out and get sober and I'll live this, you know, whatever type of life. It's going to be lame and boring. Mm. But what I've actually found is the exact opposite to be true. Mm. That prior to meeting Jesus, man, my life was old and crusty and unsatisfying (laughs) and was not exactly what I'm looking for. And, but now after meeting Christ, I'm on this crazy journey with him. And yeah, it's hard. Mm. Yeah, man, I don't, absolutely, man. I have hard days and this thing isn't easy, but it is a freaking adventure. And I just, man, I'm telling you, there is no, there's no just more incredible life. Right. There isn't any higher pleasure uh, than having a relationship with God and trying to follow him uh, to the best of our ability every day. Yeah, that's so good. You're right. Life is hard, but life is hard for the believer and unbeliever alike. (laughs) That's right. Right. That's the thing is like, man, my counselor told me one time, he's like, dude, the problem is that people are there. They don't understand the right fight to, to fight. They're, they're trying to fight this fight of making life easy. Mm. And life just is not easy. It's not going That's to right. be for anybody because of sin. This world is fractured and we, we live a hard life. So the right fight is to live well in this difficult world. And so I'd rather, I'd rather live a hard life walking with Jesus than live a hard life by myself because that's way yep. better. Life's hard, but yep. it's better with Jesus, you know? Amen. Man, and, that's a good uh, word, dude. Man, man, that's so that's great. And you know, I'm thinking of somebody right now too. You may have, you may be listening to this. You may know somebody who's struggling with an addiction. You may, um, you may have lost a loved one who uh, struggle with addiction. And I think, and you can comment on this too, Chris. But I think that what you're seeing Chris do in in, you know, he he can't reverse the consequences of like watching his friends fall victim to uh, heroin and, and watching his friends pass away of this. But what he can do is he can work to redeem it by snatching up as many people as possible out of that addiction right. and out yep. of the clutches of, of the enemy. Um, and I don't know if you want to comment on that too, but I was just thinking about that in regards to how I as a pastor would try to sit down and help somebody you know, who has just experienced loss or they're experiencing a friend of theirs that's going through this, they may not be at all. I would tell them, I would say, hey man, find some really strong purpose that fuels you in this pain and and connect yeah. what you do every day for the rest of your life to redeeming, right, um, this this story that God has, has handed you. Yep, absolutely, man. I think it's kind of twofold. Um, one is that there's a sweet promise in the Bible uh, that I'm currently kind of leaning into in 
of the Beatitudes. Mm. You know, and it's where he says, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Wow. Right? Happy, like richly satisfied are those right. who mourn, or they shall be comforted. Mm. And it's a promise from the God of the universe that says, hey, in your pain, right, in your struggle, in your you know, crying, in your mourning, and he's, he's okay with that. It clearly says, hey, absolutely mourn, dude. You, you mm. do your thing. You mourn uh, you know, because, because it's real pain, man. It, it, it hurts. Sin hurts, man. It's, it's, it's absolutely hard. But he has a promise there of as you mourn, I'm going to comfort you. He yeah. is near to the brokenhearted, yeah. right? And that is a, man, the sweetest promise in the Bible, I think, is right there, that the God of the universe, he sees you in your pain, yeah. and he loves you, and he will comfort you, man. And that's that's just a, a sweet, sweet promise. Wow. But also, man, as you were talking about, uh, that um, I think it's Paul that says, uh, the reason why we're comforted uh, is in order to comfort others. Yeah, you know. So yeah. as uh, the Lord is, you know, comforting you, and He's leaning in uh, to you in this space, man. I would just encourage you, exactly like you said, Davey, man. That there's a lot of other people in this world who have the exact same struggle or similar struggle to yours, and um, a huge, huge reason why the Lord is comforting you in this space is that you can go and comfort others, man, who, wow. who are in a very, very hard situation as well. Wow. That's so good, dude. That's so good. Chris, I wish we could talk all day, man. <laughs> you and I can talk all day. I've loved it, man. We'll get off the, yeah, we we'll get off the air and just you and I can talk all day. This, is, this has been great, man. I appreciate so much you spending the time with us and encouraging our listeners. Um, it, you may be listening to this. You may be like, hey, a couple things. How do, I, how do I follow what Chris is doing? How do I connect to Chris Do Ministries? Um, maybe you want Chris to come and speak for something that you have going on. Chris, where can, where can people connect with you? Yeah, man, a few places on all of the uh, social media outlets. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook and all that. And then we also have a website, and it's chrisdoministries.com, uh, chrisdoministries.com. So all those spaces, man, I check that stuff personally, you know, so holla at me. Love it. That's awesome, man. Dude, thank you so much. It is an honor to have you on the on the podcast. We appreciate it, man. Hey man, it was it was an absolute pleasure to me. Um, I love you, man. I love what y'all are doing. Um, yeah, man, I'm really grateful to hang out for a little bit here. It's great. It's great. Well, thanks for listening to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. I'm so thankful that you had Chris on the podcast. Yeah. Man, I remember when he was at Resonate on a Sunday um, back in our days at Northview Middle School. Yeah. Uh, and his story is just so powerful. Mm-hmm. I'm just really thankful that, um, I mean, even Jesus like cured him of his speech impediment so yeah. that he can clearly communicate the gospel. Yeah. I love what he said. <laughs> he had this moment. Where he was like, I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to be able to preach. You know, I have a speech impediment. And the Lord was like, I made your mouth. <laughs> You know, it reminds me of Moses. Moses is mm. like at the burning bush going, I can't go and gives all the reasons why right. he can't go and and speak to Pharaoh about freeing God's people. And God's like, Moses, I made you, bro. <laughs> I've called you to this. I've equipped you. Mm-hmm. I think that's super encouraging because I think that we may have a lot of listeners who they feel like God's called them to something. And I can tell you right now, if God's called you to it, he's already equipped you for it. Yeah. 
He is going to make a way for you to do that thing, to participate in that ministry, to help that person. Um, and if it looks like an obstacle that is, is not, it's impossible, then it's because God wants to move in a big way. Yeah. He wants to do a miracle to remind you of his goodness and, and his power. Um, just think of, and I, what I love about Chris too, is like a couple times in this interview, it may not translate over in the audio, but, but I was watching him over the Skype call and I was like, this dude is like, he is so broken and compassionate for people. Mm. He was like tearing up and he was, you could just tell in his voice that yeah. this is so real to him. Part of his DNA. It is. Yeah. It's not just like this. Oh yeah, I'm telling my story. I can't imagine how many times he's told his story. <laughs> and yet he would get to a couple points that would just choke him up a bit. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, just reminded of God's goodness in his life. Right. It's so cool. It it's so cool. cool. Man, it's awesome. Another that's podcast a, down. That's right. It was a great episode. We want to thank you guys for listening and mm-hmm. tuning in and sharing and doing everything that you do to participate in the Nothing is Wasted community. We don't feel like community is one-sided. It's like right. this this thing we do together. Yeah. And so thank you for joining in and being a part of that. Um, and we also want to thank our good friend Sleeping at Last, Ryan mm-hmm. O'Neill, uh, for the music that he provides. You can download or stream that anywhere that music can be downloaded and streamed. Yeah. And um, we can't I, wait to tell you about Wave. That's right. So we'll, we'll update you on that in the future. Man, so good. Yeah. So good. But until next time, thanks so much for listening to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. <laughs>